0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is light and dark language. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so light and dark language to me, mm-hmm. from I'm guessing a point of privilege is not offensive or scary or bad. So tell me why we're talking about this, because I'm a little out in left field.
0: Yeah, this is our learning curve. This is our growing edge, right? Yep. This came primarily, I'd heard about it before. Okay. And I had heard probably for the last four or five years, people talking about how light and dark language is troublesome and problematic based on race relations within the United States. Okay. Okay. And I admit that I didn't pay good enough attention. I would agree. It's only starting to
1: very peripherally hit me, probably because I'm starting to try to listen to more things, read more things, familiarize myself with more things. And it most recently has come to me in situations surrounding Halloween And language around Halloween and issues about Halloween and decorations and costumes and that kind of stuff. Oh, interesting. So to now have that as my most recent pass to go to this,
0: I'm kind of, I'm leaning into my microphone. I'm fascinated. Yeah. So I will say that this really started to click for me when reading Pastor Lenny Duncan's book. Sure. And we have a podcast on his book, and you can go back and refer to that on our webpage. We will link to it. And in it, he gave some information as to why it mattered, and I started to pay more attention to it, and then I started to really see it. So the way I've been explaining it, even explained it from the pulpit on Sunday morning, was to say, Light and dark language, the leaders of color in our denomination are asking us to look at this. Okay. And are saying, please take a look at how this impacts and how this biases and how this sets us up for race relations. Because we don't recognize it. We don't really pay attention how our language influences us in tiny little ways. No, not even remotely. Right. But when we automatically equate goodness with light. Sure. Right. And when we are with God and when things are good, it is light and it is bright and it is a white place and we're wearing white robes. We're automatically then also saying, don't give in to the darkness. Okay. Don't give in to the black and the shadow and the dark. And we begin to start to equate goodness with white and badness with black. Sure. And within our culture and within... Oh man, going back to Westerns, my friend. All the way back in our history, any time then that you have a white person, they are the hero and a dark person becomes the bad guy or the bad person. So it sets us up without even really recognizing what it does in our heads, without consenting to that kind of a bias we're automatically creating that bias within us. When I started to really look at this, and it's hard because our theological language does a lot of light and dark.
1: Well, yeah, and I guess my question in there is, what is so bad about talking about light in actual terms of light, right? Daylight, sunlight, I'm going to say light of God only from the standpoint uh-huh. of you've done a fair number of sermons that actually involved flashlights, yeah. light sources, totally. candles, whatever.
0: Totally.
1: hundred percent, right? And we're saying, that's no good anymore?
0: Are we throwing the baby out with the bathwater here? If we can shift the language, and this is what I've been working to do in the last three or four months, right? Okay. Is to shift the language from light to radiance. Mmm. Okay. Subtle Oral and yet powerfully different. Yes, it is. It means the same thing, right? Illumination means the same thing as light. So we gotta bust out of thesaurus. Exactly. Okay. And what I've done is I have gone back to the Hebrew and back to the Greek and the language to try to take a look at like, okay, what does this word really mean? How can it be translated? Because we're not talking about the original language being light. The original language is a completely different word. Okay. And so if we go back and we look at the words, often they are translated as light. The words oftentimes have another, like a larger meaning, like radiance or illumination or referring to the brightness of A celestial creation, right? Like referring to the brightness of the sun. We don't have to use the word light. No. We can use a hundred other words that also keep in meaning with the original language, but get away from this light and dark or white and black being good and being bad. Okay, That's the challenge. It's real hard. It's not easy stuff, especially for someone like myself that wears a ring on my right hand that literally is symbolism for me of the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it okay like i wear this ring every single day to carry that with me so to have that inherent daily verse have to shift for me i have to practice the radiance the brightness the illumination shines through the shadow and nothing will overcome that radiance how can we change that language? It doesn't lose its power when you change the language.
1: Nope. But you are fighting a lot of path of least resistance, I guess. And conditioning. the way it's been, yep.
0: Yeah. And so how can we then understand to say that the radiance pierces the shadows? That's still beautiful. And it still holds to the true meaning of the Greek. So then... Why are we angry at changing the language? Well, and it's habit. Sure. And it's another one of those places where people can say you're being too sensitive. Sure. And yet, in our readings for last Sunday, there was an entire section where it was surrender yourself to the light, stay away from those things of darkness, licentiousness, and idolatry, and and it automatically, I could see so clearly in those verses— This complete correlation between white being good and black being bad. And we have a child of color in our pews. I'm not okay with her being in a space where she is being told, right? Sure. Or any child is being told that just because of who they and how they are, that they are equated with the bad and the terrible things in life. Now, what is the general
1: feeling from those where you've broached the subject on? Are they all, I don't understand what you're talking about. Are they more in line of, yeah, this totally fits with the other things that we're trying to do when you're talking gendered language and pronouns and everything else.
0: This makes sense. It's of a piece. Um, Most people are confused by it. Okay. Until we start to see the difference. Okay. It was during creation tide when we sat with Genesis for a long time and there was a whole section where we had printed the bulletins and the scriptures were in there. We were reading from the message translation and it was the first time that I was changing things to radiance and shadows and illumination and that kind of a thing. And I read it with the changes and people had the original in their hands with light and dark. Yeah and i had probably four or five people come up afterwards and say oh now, now i get it yeah okay like okay this is clicking for me we don't even see it no until we start looking at it and so what i'm doing this season in advent because advent is full Of light and dark imagery.
1: Well, that was going to be one of my other questions. If you've known about this for a couple of years, why are we bringing it up now specifically during Advent?
0: Yeah, because Advent is steeped in this language. Okay. And so what I'm trying to do in the bulletin is I'm trying to change the words from light and dark to being whatever is in keeping with the original translation or contextual word language within it. And I'm italicizing it and leaving my pastor's note in there to make it clear that this is my language that's being inserted and not the original translation or the original words and why we're doing that. And... Advent is a season where we continually hear, like, the growing darkness around us. Oh, yeah. And we're lighting the candles in order to combat the darkness that is around us. Some of it is the time of year. There's just less daylight. Which is also Northern Hemisphere-centric. Yes. Yes, it very much is. (laughs) Right? Because we're completely ignoring the fact that in Australia right now, they're heading into Mm midsummer and their days are getting longer and longer.
1: Well, and anybody closer to the equator is going to have less of an
0: issue with this. Totally. This kind of language, it very much centers us. And so to kind of break that and say we are increasing the illumination, Mm -hmm. I still haven't figured out how to say lighting candles, (laughs) right, in a different way. Like I have not figured all this out, trust me. You know, to point out that we are increasing, that we are bringing more something.
1: Without sounding even more heavy-handed of setting aflame the candle. Right. Like,
0: it's hard. Mm-hmm. This is hard work. It's not simple, and I'm going to trip up, and other people are going to trip up. But the fact is that we should try. Because I think that the more you start paying attention to this, and the more you start seeing it in our theological language, the more we start seeing it in our everyday language... And the more we start recognizing, oh, this really is impacting underlying, unconsented to, unchosen bias. Sure.
1: Has anybody come up with a new translation? I mean, it's been a couple of years. That's for churches, not a lot of time. But at the same time, something has to be being done.
0: I think that there is an awareness of it in the last two to three years that I have not experienced previously. And so there are more resources being created. There are more opportunities, like people are creating a thesaurus list sure. and getting it out on the internet for people to be able to find it. The resources that are being written this year are for two and three years from now okay, because they're in a publication process. And so it takes you know a good year ahead of time to get the materials written and then printed and then sent out. So a friend of mine was tasked with writing... Advent commentary for 2020. Whoa. Okay. And contacted me last summer. Okay. To talk to me about this exact issue. How can we get away from the light and dark language for Advent? So it takes a while for that to get published and to get into our materials out there. But Pastors and congregations can choose to do this now, can choose to start this, and individuals can choose to start to listen for this language on their own, in the same way that we can listen for ableist language. Sure. I have beautiful friends who, when it came time for the bishop's election, called me out to say that you're standing for the bishop's election, even though that's the typical language, is an ableist term. Because people who can't stand... Sure. Right? We don't imagine then someone in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. remaining in the bishop's election, because we're talking about standing. Even if it's like, of course someone could be, right, but that's not the language we're using. Okay. We are not using inclusive language, which is why I shifted my language to say remaining in. Instead of standing for the bishop's election, I was remaining as a part of the bishop's election. The little pieces and the little ways that we say things... Years ago, one of the ones that I have a really hard time shifting and changing is, I am walking with you in this journey. Mm -hmm. Again, ableist. Mm -hmm. So I work real hard to get rid of standing with or walking with. And those are two of the images that I defaulted to most of my ministry. And it's accurate. Those terms absolutely preclude individuals from understanding that they are a part of this journey. So... It's on me to watch that language. So with the light and dark imagery, it's the same thing. We can watch the language. Now, does this mean that we are judging people who use this or that people who use this kind of language are bad or God doesn't love them or I think less of them? No, right? Like this isn't to say that if you use light and dark language and that really... You're a terrible person. Right, you're a terrible person. That's not at all what we're saying. Or what I'm trying to say. I think what it is is an awareness. That if we choose to use that language, we choose it consensually. Okay. If we choose to say, I am walking with you on this journey, that we choose it because we really mean that and not because it's a default that blocks other people from participating. If we choose to say the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it, then let's choose that language specifically and on purpose, knowing full well what consequences are by using that. And if we choose it, then we choose it in that moment and have a reason for it. But I think in this time, when we've heard our colleagues so clearly say, please consider this, that the onus is on us and and on the leaders to really take a look at how we're using this language. That's
1: fascinating. Okay, so what's rolling around in my head at the moment is this is coming at the same time a lot of other somewhat related things. And I guess my question is rooted in what do we do with what we have? Do you leave it as sort of a snapshot of the time and refer back to it? Or do we try to erase it completely? And I'll give you a clear cut example. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Disney+. Plus. And they've got a lot of old, very racist stuff from the 30s and 40s. And what they've done is put some sort of a caveat at the beginning of them that this is the way it was. We're not going to change it or quote unquote whitewash it and make it revisionist. Mm -hmm. But is there a place for that or do we try to... Put it in some sort of uh, museum along with all the other Confederate
0: statues and that kind of thing. You see where I'm going? I do. I do. And I don't know. Okay. I don't know the answer to that. I think that we are right in the midst of understanding what this means and that should our great-grandchildren have the luxury of having these conversations, that will be their decision to start making. Okay. Okay. Right. Because it's the grandchildren of the animators who decided how they were going to handle sure. everything on Disney Plus. And I think we're right in the midst of trying to figure out how to do this and how to do this well and not to cop out on it. I'm not trying to cop out on it. And if someone wants to call me in on this, feel free. I think that we are figuring it out in the same way that we're figuring out gendered language for God mm-hmm. and that In the same way that we aren't necessarily ditching all of the gendered hymnody, that we are shifting. That's exactly where my brain is
1: going. Do you rewrite all the words to all the hymns or do you add verses to it and you can pick and
0: choose which ones you want? It's up in the air, right? We've got to figure that out. And it's hard. It's definitely hard work and definitely a challenge. Like I said, I've got a ring that I have to... Reckon with, <laughs> sure. Right? And how do I how do I own the shift in language to radiance and shadow enough to begin to make my way with this? I mean, it's definitely hard work. This isn't simple stuff.
1: No, not at all. That's going to lead me into my last question, and I'm curious how this falls in terms of for me going from gendered pronouns to non-gendered pronouns. Mm-hmm has been a struggle because I'm fighting, you know, what I'm used to in mm-hmm. the default setting and everything. Is this on par with that? Or has this been more of a challenge for you?
0: I think in some ways it's probably on par with my experience of like starting to get out of gendered language for God sure. in first year of seminary. That the struggle of that wasn't simple. Like my brain had a rough time with it. And sure. But that practice made it easier for me to handle when people shift their pronouns. Yeah. Right? Pronouns. I'm hoping it's like
1: learning a language and that (laughs) each successive language is that much easier, supposedly.
0: I think in some ways, maybe. I definitely know that I am on high alert for ableist language and racist language in the way that I speak and write. And that even like what I am texting to my best friends at midnight Sure. That I'll catch myself in those. The first step is always noticing it. Yeah. Even if you don't know what to replace it with yet or how to shift it, it's even beginning to notice it that matters. And so I would say that I've been working real, real hard on this over the last year. And it's still not easy. It's still not simple. But it's definitely easier. Sure and my vocabulary is growing. That's wonderful. (laughs) Certainly when it comes to the idea of radiance and illumination, my vocabulary is growing greatly.
1: Excellent. (laughs) I look forward to all the new 50-cent words in the uh, sermons to come. Right. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about using light and dark in our language. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic,
0: as do I. And thank you all for sitting along with us as we journey through this kind of conversation. If you have any tips, tricks, favorite words for these concepts that you would like to share with us, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook or you can always email us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.